When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Are you frustrated and confused about how to attract new clients? Nothing you have done is working, and you're tired of waiting for the phone to ring. Imagine learning the tips and tools that will help you get noticed and booked by your ideal client and paid what you're worth for your amazing services. Now's the time to make your dream a reality, and the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will teach you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode. This is episode 213, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Now, if I were to ask you whether you thought printed books, e-books, or audio books were the highest sellers, what do you think? According to a recent authorearnings.com report, 70% of non-fiction books being sold are in print. There you go. Now, as an ambitious entrepreneur, is one of your goals to write a book? Well, joining me on today's show is Julie Broad. And Julie is an Amazon overall number one best-selling author, an international book award author, or a book award winner, and a recipient of the Beverly Hills Book Award for the best sales book. As an entrepreneur and successful real estate investor, she was also awarded the top 20 under 40 award. In her latest venture, Book Launches, helps entrepreneurs and professionals build their brand, boost their business by writing, publishing and selling a top quality book. Now on today's show, Julie's going to share three simple tips that will enable you to write a book in just 30 minutes a day, five self-publishing scams that every would-be author needs to know about before they write a book, as well as why a book deal with a traditional publisher probably isn't what you need to reach your goals with your book. So welcome to the show, Julie. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I was really uh, quite interested, well, interesting to find the results that 70% of nonfiction books are being sold today that are in print. Here in Australia, there's a number of you know high profile bookstores that have shut down over the years. And, but it's fabulous to hear we're still reading paper books, you know, print books. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of even nonfiction authors that I talk to, they mm. don't. They, they're saying, oh, I only publish in ebook now. And, and they do that for a couple of reasons. One is they think that's where the market is. Yeah. Uh, and the other reason is they think it's cheaper to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of funny because it's not really, it doesn't really save you much money as an author these days with print on demand because you, you know, it gets, each book gets printed and sold as they get sold to, you know, the bookstores and the Amazon. Yeah. So it's just getting printed as you go and you don't have to buy a whole bunch of books and sit them in your garage. Mm -hmm. And you're just really creating two different formats, but all the other work is done. So it really doesn't save you much money to not do a printed copy. And you're missing out on a huge opportunity when you skip it. But it's funny because, you know, personally, I, when I read that, I was, I said, of course, because me personally, my fiction is exclusively on Kindle mm -hmm. uh, and a fiction book. I, I never buy a physical book, but my nonfiction books are probably 
80%. Uh, I have them sitting on my shelf. There's something for me where I need to have them as a reference and I need to feel them and see them. And obviously I'm not alone. So mm -hmm. uh, it was surprising, but not surprising. Yeah, absolutely. And I, recently we just had someone on the show that is in printing and he does a lot of print for cards and things like that. And he said, you know, when we look at email, and this is similar to what we're talking about versus email versus printed cards in the actual physical mailbox. Mailboxes these days are empty. So it's a great opportunity opportunity now you know when everyone's zigging to zag for our message to be heard so whilst a lot of now authors are perhaps leveraging ebooks what a great way for us to really stand out by having a, a printed book i love your story and we're certainly going to dive into a lot of the expert tips and, and strategies you want to share with us today but i love the fact that you've actually yourself written a number or, or a book and certainly was recognized by you know awards tell us your journey what made you want to write your book yeah, I've, I've written two different books, but mm -hmm. the first book, I kind of went along a path that I think a lot of would-be authors went through, which is I was a real estate investor, um, but I also, I love to write on the side. So I was always writing, uh, you know, kind of things. And, and truthfully, I would have been a writer as a kid uh, if I hadn't, you know, my English teacher hadn't have to kind of destroyed that, made me feel like I couldn't write. Yeah. And then, of course, I found out that writers or was told that writers don't make any money. So mm -hmm. I kind of uh, forgot about writing until later. And I started to do it just to share some of the lessons that I was learning as a real estate investor with friends and family and, and kind of as an outlet. Uh, but what what really happened for us was uh, as a real estate investor, we made some really big mistakes. And I say we, because at the time I partnered with my boyfriend and who thankfully became my husband later, which would, because mm -hmm. it would have been really messy to <laughs> untangle all these properties that we bought. Um, but we made some pretty big mistakes. And one of them, uh, you know, long story short, it, it became a known crack house. It was a six, oh. six unit building and it became a known crack house. And our property manager, the only guy who would actually manage properties in this rough area uh he he ended up uh getting charged with manslaughter oh, wow. and he and what happened was he punched a tenant at another property the tenant fell hit his head and later died oh. in hospital so it was really a, a just an awful situation we ended up having to plead guilty to fire code violations and had mm. thousands of dollars of fines and thousands of dollars more of work and the property was actually in the paper as a known crack house so we couldn't oh. even sell it because nobody wanted this problem property so it was was a nightmare and it was one of a few big mistakes that we made mm -hmm. so I started telling people about my mistakes and you know this is an, a lesson for anybody who wants to write a book uh, people people mostly talk about how to make money in the industry and I was out there saying well you can make money but you you know watch out for this and yeah. you know they're saying you can do these no money down deals but watch out for this and you know that kind of thing and I started to think I'm gonna write a book about this uh, and Wiley and a couple other publishers started talking to me about it because I had, you know, through writing and doing some videos, I had started to build a bit of an audience yes. in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I lived at the time. Uh, and Wiley, in the end, when I thought I was about to get a book deal, Wiley came back and said, you know what, you don't have a strong enough marketing platform to sell books. And they rejected me. Ah. And, and it was it was devastating. Mm. But the funny part is they were going to have me write a book that I didn't really want to write. They didn't think the book that I, you know, this book of, you know, how not to invest in real estate, really, that they didn't think that was going to sell. 
Um, but I, so I ended up self-publishing that book, the, you know, the book that I thought really needed to be written and, yes. you know, telling the real stories. And it went to number one overall in Amazon wow. in Canada, uh, the printed copy of the book. Because uh, so many people were like, yes, we finally, we need to hear the real truth. And, mm -hmm. and so many people like realtors and mortgage brokers shared the word. They, they spread the word for me. And, uh, and yeah, it had a nice little run in the top 100 overall on Amazon for a, over a month. Uh, so it was, it was pretty phenomenal. And that's kind of a long story, but that's how I got into my, you know, writing books in the first place. Yes. I love that because, you know, within that story, there's such golden nuggets and insights. You know, if, if you have received a no and you really feel in your heart and in your gut that this story needs to be shared, go and tell it, go and share it. And the fact that it went to overall number one for over a month, amazing, amazing. Uh, so many, so many successes and influences now can tell stories like that. And how many people are sitting there listening to the naysayers, listening to the critics and not stepping out. So hopefully through hearing uh, Julie's story, you've been able to be inspired and empowered to go, you know what, I, it's a good idea. So let's dive into some of these simple tips, three simple tips to help us write a book in just 30 minutes a day. Yeah, you bet. So the first, the first thing that isn't the tip it's it's the main thing you have to have is a great outline yeah. if you have a great outline then you can use these these tips and so the tip is I call them the three T's mm -hmm. and that is whenever you sit down to write you never want to sit down and go hmm what am I going to write about today you always want to know in advance so the first is topic so before you sit down you want to have the topic you're going to write about that day and that's where the outline if you're writing a book is really really key uh, the next topic is time so you have to set aside the time and if you do it on a regular basis, you train yourself that this is writing time. So say it's like eight o'clock every morning, you sit down for 30 minutes and you write, you'll day by day, you'll start to get more and more efficient because your brain's like, this is writing time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, so that was topic, time, and then target. You need to have some sort of a target that you're working towards, whether it's every day you're going to try to write 500 words, every day you're going to, you know, or every week you're going to finish a chapter, whatever it is, you've got to have that target. So you push yourself to try to get it done. Mm -hmm. But if you do that 30 minutes a day, you can write a book, mm -hmm. uh, but it really comes down to that plan. Because if you're staring at that blank screen, you're wasting time. Did you find when you set the time allocation that for you knowing it was say at eight o'clock or in the morning or someone else might select 8 p.m. when you had that regular consistent time frame that that really helped uh, solidify that or did you find 30 minutes across any time of day suited you best? No, same time. It has to be the same time. It doesn't okay. have to be the same time. I mean, if you can't find the same time every day, then do it when you can. But what I found was that it trains you. And so now you sit down and you're way more productive. And if you do this, just try it for 30 days. Yeah. By the end of the 30 days, I can almost guarantee that you'll be double the output that you were on day one. Yeah. I know for me, sometimes when I'm starting to write and, and actually having the topic, it makes absolute sense because you're focused, it's more narrow and you can start to write. Do you find find that starting to write can sometimes be a bit of a challenge for you but once you get in the flow the words just come does that happen for you too it does and that's mm. why I think that training yourself that this is writing time helps because now you don't have that like revving up your your mind is just okay this is writing time and you just start it you have a less less of a barrier yeah. I also find like again the outline is critical um, and you know I, I work with a writing coach now and in my company book launchers all our clients work with a writing coach because I also find the other thing that stops you is questioning whether this is any good uh, and doubting yourself and mm -hmm. kind of that fear and that you know that's so real for me and I know it's real for a lot of our clients which is why I brought in somebody to kind of coach you. And, and they'll say, you know, this, this could be a little stronger. Here's where you might need to make it stronger. But now you're not 
worried, is this any good? Mm. Did you find that, I mean, for you, you started noticing what was going on in the market and you had a you had your story because things that you were experiencing and through the conversations that you were having with people, you got feedback almost immediately that they were interested in doing that. For someone that maybe has not done that yet, do you think it's a vital piece to start to seek evidence that the topic that you're thinking of creating or writing about is going to be of interest? Because so often we can write something or create something something that we think is going to be of interest, but unfortunately it is not. Do you want to share some some strategies around that? Yeah, that's a great topic. It, I think you really want to be careful that you don't write a book that has an audience of one. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? So I think while you want to write a book that is, you know, has your unique spin, is like the book that only you can write because it's your stories. Mm. At the same time, you really want to make sure that you have a great audience and that that audience is the people that you want to connect with. Yeah. My best advice without going in, you know, this could be an entire episode, but mm. you really want to be testing it along the way. And the very first thing is test that introduction. So that introduction, if you're, what I found is whenever I would get lost in my writing, I would come back to my introduction and it kind of grounded me. So again, that outline and then writing that introduction, if you've got a great introduction, um, and you'll know this because you'll send it out to the people who you think are your ideal readers and get their input. And if you're not getting consistently like, oh my gosh, I can't wait until you write this book. Well, then you might want to start over and kind of rethink your hook and rethink, you know, what this book is about. Um, it might just be that it's really interesting to you but not other people and a lot mm. of times that doesn't mean you have to change the content so um, it's just an angle right yeah. it's all about you know it my book ultimately taught people how to invest into real estate but the angle wasn't how to invest in real estate the angle was you know you know, real estate investing is really scary and you can lose a lot of money if you do it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great insights there. Let's talk about some of these self-publishing scams that every would-be author needs to know about before they write a book. And you've got five that you want to share today. What's number one? Uh, number one, I would say, is to always find out who owns the rights to the materials mm. and and you know it's not a scam is a stretch right that's kind of a you know a clickbait word almost but yeah. you want to read the contracts and make sure that you own the rights um, if you're traditionally publishing they own the rights but you want to understand who owns audio rights who owns you know international rights and try to own as much as you possibly can mm -hmm. if you're self-publishing you should own 100% of the rights it's your content you can do whatever you want with it yeah great great point so that should be written in the contract and, and really see read the fine print what's the second uh, thing we need to be aware of uh, who owns the ISBN so that that little identifier on the back of every book that little barcode and the number above it that's an international number and a lot of companies will say uh, oh you don't need to have an ISBN we'll have it um, but you you know to and it's a long conversation so short answer is to control your book and to have a lot of flexibility with where it gets distributed and where it goes you really want to own it and I don't know about in Australia in Canada we get ISBN numbers for free in the US you have to buy them uh, buy them from a company called Bowker B-O-W-K-E-R uh, they're $125 for one and then I think you can buy a package 10 for 400 or something like that mm -hmm. um, but you really want to own your own ISBN and if a company tries to say you don't need to own your own ISBN, I would probably run the other way. And if they own the ISBN, that means that they have the rights that they restrict, they can restrict you from, from publishing or doing things with the book. How, do, how would that work? Yeah, I mean, it's not strictly that they own the rights, but one example is, you know, with CreateSpace, they actually, you can get a, a, an individual number 
for the book from CreateSpace, mm -hmm. uh, which is owned by Amazon. So some people will do that. But if you want to publish it anywhere else, you have to then have an ISBN number. So it restricts you to only publish it on CreateSpace, for example. Uh -huh. If a company brings an ISBN number to the table, you're now under their kind of imprint and they technically own that imprint. It's a little, it's kind of technical, uh, okay. but yeah, yeah, it just, it, it limits a few things that you can do. Um, and so it's just so much better. It's not that much money. Go buy your own eyes. Yeah. And it's good to know these things. It's like, I'm, I'm sure, you know, your intention for writing, your investing in real estate. We don't know what we don't know. So it's good to at mm -hmm. least have an understanding of what we need to be aware of so that we can go and do more research. And obviously we'll share at the end how people can get in contact with you. Cause I'm sure this is an area that you specialize in and support all, all of your authors. What's the third thing we need to be aware of? Watch out for big promises and guarantees because there really is no guarantee in book publishing. Uh, you know, there's no guarantee your book will truly uh, sell well. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to set yourself up for success, but there's no guarantees. And there's a lot of people out there who guarantee you're going to be an award-winning author or they guarantee you're going to be an Amazon bestseller. Mm. So how do they do this? How can they make these guarantees when I've just said there's no guarantees? Well, the award-winning author one is pretty funny because what, what this company does and they guarantee you're going to be an award winner is they have an award show for everybody who publishes a book through them. Uh. <laughs> they give everybody an award. <laughs> oh, nice. So whether your book is crap or whether, you know, it doesn't matter what's between the cover, they're giving you an award so you can say you're an award-winning author. The other thing is the Amazon bestseller. Well, you can game the system and there's a great book out there uh, of a guy who got sick of this and actually took a picture of his foot, put it on, put it on Amazon and made it an Amazon number one bestseller because what you, all you have to do is find some sub, sub, sub category, you know, like underneath entrepreneurship, they might have like women in business and then they might have cats that have businesses. And so now you could be the number one bestseller of, of entrepreneurial cats. Yes. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm just making that up to, yeah. be, to be dramatic, but mm -hmm. it, you know, it's, it's a sub, sub, sub category. And then they just get a handful of people to all buy the book or download it for free. That mm. one's my favorite is when they call, when you say you're a bestseller, but you actually people just downloaded your book for free so mm -hmm. you're actually a best freebie or something like that um so it's all it's a gimmick and it's one of those things where i say if if that if that really is all that matters to you is to be able to say you're an amazon bestseller then that's great but for me i want to look at what is my goal and how am i going to achieve it and and that you know, to getting two or three sales or having 10 people that you already know buy your book to, to be number one in that category, what does that really do for you and your business and your goals? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really get you there. So why waste your time and energy on that? Focus on writing a book that's actually going to achieve your goals for yeah. you. You know, one of the things, as you're saying that, Julie, from a brand management point of view, for someone who's thinking, well, you know, if I can call myself an award-winning author and then a best-selling author, that's all that really matters. But for me, I think, you know, what if someone an organization a media you know company decided you know what we're really going to expose this to the point where there was a lot of press and got a lot of coverage worldwide that this particular organization was doing some of these things which really are not above board then that tarnishes every single author that has been you know depending on how big the message is it really does tarnish the, the every author that's gone through that company so you really need to be mindful about who you know so who you allow support you so that you can make sure that everything is you know 100% above board that that's my thought anyway 
Yeah, I completely agree. And it's one of those things where, you know, I, 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 I understand the appeal and I understand why it sounds, you know, it sounds and feels good to say you're an Amazon bestseller. Uh, but I always just go back to let, let's just focus on what's really important. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, building your brand, growing your business and attracting the right people through the door yeah. and nothing else. If your book does that, then everything else is really not not that important. Yeah. Um, and, and, you, and well, you know what? You might even become. I was just going to say, on your own. <laughs> if you do all of the steps that, you know, talking about the outline, getting the great introduction, getting the feedback from your community before you write the book and you write something like you did that really um, is of interest, then guess what? You will find that uh, people will start to spread the message uh, for you. So we've looked at who owns the rights. We need to be wary of that. Who owns the ISBN? We need to be wary of big promises too. What's number four? Royalties. So who gets the royalties? Uh, and if you are giving up some of the royalties for some reason, because there are hybrid publishing options. So hybrid is, you know, a mixture. You're you are a self-publisher, but they provide um, it's kind of they're a publish. They're publishing your book, but you pay them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you keep more of the royalties than normal, but they keep some of it. So if you go down that route, you want to make sure that you're getting something incredibly valuable for giving up your royalties. Otherwise, I would say you want to have all the royalties and you also want to understand if you are giving up some of the royalties, why? Mm -hmm. um, because gen generally, I think if you're self-publishing, you, you have to invest in your book and you're going to have to market it. Uh, so you really should get all the royalties from it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, some of some some of these things that you're speaking about today, we have absolutely, would-be authors have absolutely no idea. So when it's presented in a contract or in the you know initial information, we just assume that this is just common practice, whereas in actual fact, no, no it's not and they need to be some real clear thought around what is the purpose that you want this book for and ultimately for you it, it, it helps you build your brand and your message and now of course you've got this amazing business that has come from that a lot of your authors I'd imagine who are businesses they want to build their brand to boost their business their book is a mechanism by which they're going to do that uh, and so all these things we need to, to consider don't we yeah, absolutely. And it's it's also something that you know a lot of a lot of really smart business people just don't have time to think about it. And I'll never forget um a, a client of mine in the real estate space. She came to me and she she had this hybrid book deal that she was looking at and they wanted $10,000 to help her uh to publish her book. And so they would be the the publishing house under behind her book, but they kept half the royalties that would come in. Mm -hmm. And and I was going through the contract with her and I said, "You know what? I said at the end of the day, you have to do all the marketing. Mm -hmm. I said, so you have to be really happy with the editing they're going to give you because that's really all you're paying $10,000 for here. Yeah. Um, and when, when you put it that way, she kind of went, oh, and I'm only going to keep half, you know, I have to sell twice as many books to recoup my investment because mm -hmm. I'm giving them half. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's something to be aware of. And a lot of people are just so busy, they don't stop and kind of think about where the value is coming in exchange for that money. Yeah, absolutely. So royalties is number four. What's the fifth one? How can you purchase copies of your book? So some of these publishing companies that will help you publish, they make money off selling you copies of your book. And this is actually how a lot of traditional publishing deals work too, oh. is you have to buy 5,000 copies of your book at retail price oh, really? from the publisher. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, it, it, not always, but if yeah. you're an unknown author with a, you know, mediocre platform, that's some of the, sometimes what the deal would be. I mean, that mm. was a lot of my friends in Canada. That was wow. the deal they got. They had to buy a thousand or 5,000 copies of their book and, and they paid retail, not, not a low price for it. <sighs> um, 
and then the tra- it just mitigates the risk for the traditional publisher, right? Mm-hmm. So now their their costs are covered. Really, it's like the hybrid deal. Um, but uh, you want to find out how you purchase copies of your book because uh, my my two books they're somewhere between 260 and 280 pages long. Um, I pay anywhere from four to five dollars per copy, uh, U.S. dollars for for each copy of those books. So if you're being charged ten dollars, you want to kind of go well. Why can't I buy it direct from the print on demand uh, mm-hmm. provider? Because it should be way cheaper than that. Uh, and and that's something that you should look into because really, why should some Somebody else make copy make money off you buying copies of your book yeah absolutely and especially if there's a finite number like 5,000 books that's a lot of books a lot of books to have to to pay for yes yeah, I mean, and that's that's an example of, of a traditional how some of the mm. traditional publishing houses would mitigate their risk. I mean, even yeah. what I'm what I am referring to is if, even if you're just buying one copy uh, it, through some of these options, these publishing companies that will help you publish your book um, if they're promoting oh you can buy low-cost copies of your book you know I would ask why can't I just it? buy them mm. direct from the print-on-demand publisher yeah have you got examples or you know of people who have gone back to negotiate in that way whether those publishing houses then will or those you know the, the organization that they're speaking with um, have come back and said well all right then they're like that's generally something that can be negotiated or does I guess that depends on organization to organization of course doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, most of the time it's a standard contract. Um, but typically, if, if somebody does all five of these things in their publishing house and, and their services, I would not want to work with no. them because they're not they're fo- they're focused on their bottom line. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're all business people, so we have to have a bottom line. But they're in my they're not looking out for your interests at all, and and that's just not a company I would want to do business yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. So those are five things that really we need to to be aware of. Have those things been standard for quite some time? Are there other things that you you know that regularly come to, to play because of the indus- that particular industry and changes and things like that that people need to be aware of or pretty much those have been the five that's been around for, for some time now those are the most prominent five yeah. and I mean and for some and again it's not like every one of them is so bad you need to run away it's just you want to ask good questions yeah. read the fine print mm-hmm. and at any time if you're kind of splitting up splitting the pie so to speak just make sure that you're getting something of value in exchange um, and and if you do that then you know it's I think there it's always important whether you're working with a traditional publisher a hybrid publisher or a publishing service company that helps you self-publish uh, you know just read the fine print because you want to make sure that you are getting good value for what you're paying. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for um, categorizing those because that makes a lot of sense. You know, for someone who may be thinking about um, authoring a book, um, knowing that there are publishing services that help you self-publish, hybrid publishers and the traditional publishers. So that's good to know as well. So let's talk about why a book deal with a traditional publisher probably isn't what you need to reach your goals with your book. First of all, it's really tricky to get one. Um, it, you know, in Canada, we, for the most part, uh, a lot of the publishers shut down. So you had to go through New York to oh. get a publishing deal. I, I don't know the Australian landscape, but I know in Canada, the best publishing houses all shut down their, their operations for nonfiction in Canada. So you were stuck. Yeah. So you had to have a massive platform in order to even get the attention of a book agent to then shop it at the New York publishing houses. So you're kind of stuck anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, so that's part of it. You know, 
if unless you have a huge platform, you really aren't looking at traditional publisher. If you have a huge platform, now guess what? The publishers want you, but you don't really need them because mm -hmm. the job of marketing comes back to you. What the publishing houses bring to the table is distribution, which is a little tricky for self-publishers, but it's not impossible. Um, but they bring the editorial team and the layout and the cover design, but they also will control your content to a degree. Mm -hmm. And I know so many authors who are unhappy with how their book got angled or the cover or the title. And they they were stuck because that traditional publishing deal meant they ultimately didn't have control over that content and they had to get it up. The other thing that's interesting that a lot of people don't realize is that when you write a book and it does depend on your contract and your book agent would have to negotiate this, but the publisher technically uh, in most cases owns the material. So if you, for example, run a training company and you now want to take the material that's in that book and run a workshop, workshop mm. or build in a brand extensions off of that, depending on your book deal, you might be very limited in what you can do. And I know uh, one of my friends, he actually bought back his book from the publisher wow. because of that very reason. He couldn't do some of the things he wanted to do with his book, mm -hmm. uh, with the book content. And so he bought it back. Um, Another thing that happened that a lot of people don't know can happen is because they don't own that content. Um, another uh, another friend of mine, his book, he wrote a book, uh, co-authored it with two other people. And, um, but then it was in the real estate space. And then uh, he left the real estate space and was no longer promoting the book. So the publisher then republished the exact same book with a different author as the, as the oh. named person on the cover. Wow. Um, they put a new introduction on it, but that was it. The rest of the material was word for word his mm -hmm. book. And they had full, they, they were 100% within his rights. I think it's disgusting. Oh. But at the same time, he was 100% within it. Or the, the publisher was 100% within their rights to do it because they own the content, not my friend. That is incredible. Wow. So if you're, if you're a, if you're doing this to build your brand and build mm -hmm. your business and build your profile and you're going to have to do the marketing anyways, why not invest in the book so you'll have to upfront the costs, but now you have complete control over it mm -hmm. now and forever. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for for those of us who are building their platforms and many of us are because we realize that that is so it's integral if we want to really build a brand and build a voice that is influential in our industries. We need to be doing a lot of the marketing that we can now leverage uh, to, to, to generate interest and, and obviously uh, sales for, for our books. So why not, you know, spearhead that and champion that from start to finish and, and be in control of that and not uh, find ourselves in situations that you've explained because that would be just devastating if you spent so much time and energy writing a book only to have it being republished under someone else's name and you can't do anything about it. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, not good at all. So Julie, you've shared such incredible insights today, really um, shown us or told us things that we may not be aware of and what we really need to do further research on. Share a little bit more about book launches and the, the support that you offer uh, would be authors and then how we can get in contact with you. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, I started book launchers largely because of the things that we talked about tonight, because yes. I kept seeing these gaps in the market. Mm -hmm. And one of the other gaps that I saw was that uh, a lot of companies would help you with, you know, the publishing phase, or they would help you with marketing, but there wasn't anybody who was helping you from start to finish. And one of the challenges is if you aren't planning the marketing, when you start writing, then it's very difficult 
to have a book that's easy to sell. Mm -hmm. So you really need to start, you know, before you start writing, think about how you're going to sell this book and what your goals are. And so we help people write the book. But first of all, before they write a word, we're trying to understand their goal and we make sure there's a market for this book. And then we take them through the entire process and ensure that they own the book. So we set everything up so that they own the book, they get the royalties, they can order all their printed copies. You know, we really set it up so you are completely supported like you were working with a traditional publisher. However, it's all your content that you own for now and forever. And uh, and then at the very end, we actually help you market it. Um, mm. Because that's, to me, the writing of the book is hard, but I think marketing it and consistently getting the word out about your book is is the most challenging. So that's something that we support people with and, and really try to set them up, set their book up with some momentum. Yeah, fantastic. And how do people get in contact with you and find out more about book launches? Yeah, so booklaunchers.com is the website. That's the best way. Uh, if you sign up for the newsletter or there's a contact page on that website, that actually goes straight to me, uh, not anybody on my team, because I like to be able to keep in touch with people who want to write books. Yeah, um, and if right. you want to learn uh, some tips for selling a book, uh, I do have a great ebook. It's uh, eight ways to sell a thousand books for under a hundred dollars. And they're actually the tips that I used uh, to sell my first book, because uh, I didn't really invest. I didn't really spend money in, in selling that book when it went to number one. So mm -hmm. you can get that by going to booklaunchers.com forward slash sell books. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and sharing your insights. Sometimes, you know, people who have gone through challenges and situations, you know, where things didn't turn out as they had hoped, they keep it to themselves, you know, because it's kind of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we did that. But you're sharing that journey, sharing these situations, and of course, uh, enabling people to avoid a lot of the mistakes that you did. And it takes courage, doesn't it, to, to share that often? And uh, Mm. It it does, but it's some of the best stuff. And and for anybody who is going through a tough time, you know, my my mantra now is, oh, this is going to be a good chapter in my next <laughs> yes. book. Love it. Yeah, that's right. Excellent. Look, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, for certainly everyone, please go and check out Julie's resources. And uh, I know that you're going to provide incredible support to help them not only write the book, but market the book and really generate the outcomes that they're looking for, for the reason that they're writing the book. So thanks again for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Amory. So that brings us to the end of another show. And of course, I know that you've gone away with lots of notes. Please reach out to Julie. Uh, all of the details, we'll put all of the links on our show notes as well. AmbitiousEntrepreneurNetwork.com forward slash AES213. AmbitiousEntrepreneurNetwork.com forward slash AES213. Now, for those of you who have had situations in, in your life or in your business where you think, oh my goodness, that was not what I expected. Perhaps that could be a great chapter or two chapters maybe in your next book. Reach out to Julie and she'll to certainly know uh, to teach you how you can create that book and get it out there. For those of you who have only just joined us today, this is the first show that you've listened to. It has been an honor. Hope you come back next week. We'll have another great guest expert to just uh, support you in growing a successful business. But for now, bye. See you later, Julie. Bye. Thanks so much.
Hi, it's Anne-Marie. Have you enjoyed listening to the show and have thought about creating your own podcast so you too can become an influential voice in your industry, but you just don't know where to start? I've created a special gift just for you. It's my free mini training, Podcasting with Purpose, where you'll learn what you need to do to stand out, be heard and influence your audience from your very first podcast. I'm also giving you my step-by-step podcast production workflow checklist, including the tools I use, as well as a checklist of no-cost and low-cost tools to get you started. To access, go to annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. That's annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.